beginning was the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory full of grace and truth. Hey, good morning, beautiful, wintry Sunday morning. It's so nice outside, isn't it? It's just nice to see all the snow and, um, what did you say? <laughs> Somebody doesn't like the snow? It's, uh, it's, it's nice to look at, right? So, hey, I am so glad you're here with us this morning. Thank you for joining us online. We're continuing in our series called Simply Jesus and just looking at the reality of who Jesus is through the eyes of John and his gospel. So the verses we're going to read today are uh, from John 1, verses 35 through 42. So if you don't mind, would you stand with me as we look at these verses? Starting in verse 35, it says, And again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Kepas, which is translated Peter. Father, we thank you for this word today, God, and we just pray that you open our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes to the reality of who your son Jesus is, who he was in his life, and who he is today still, the one who is living and available to us right now. And so we thank you and we praise you that we can come into his presence in this space today and just ask that he would give us clarity of all that he wants us to know, all he wants to lead us into, but most importantly, of all that who he is and what that can mean for us. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. Um, so recently, I did the most Canadian thing I can think to do, and I took up curling. So I joined it. That, thank you. For those of you that laughed, I'm done with you. Those of you who are applauding, thank you. Um, but it, it's been a blast. Here's one of the things with it is the, they, they don't just go, okay, here, here's a 40-pound rock and a slick piece of ice and here's a broom, now go. They, they have it set up to where they kind of teach you. And it's great because the instructors are fantastic. And, and so they're always walking. It's a beginner's league and they, they're kind of walking around and they, if they see you doing something, hey, you know, do it this way or that way. Um, always focused on safety. But isn't it good to have a good teacher when you're trying to learn something? I mean, it really is. If you don't have a good teacher when you're trying to learn something, it creates all kinds of problems. And I know that we can all think of people in our past, teachers that we had, who were just great teachers. 
But I also know that we can think of teachers who probably weren't so great. And, and it becomes a struggle when you have a teacher and you're trying to learn something, they maybe aren't, aren't a great teacher. Um, I would bet that all of us probably remember that one great teacher we've had and we can see their face and their name, but I also would bet that we can remember that one teacher we had that wasn't so great and we can see their face and their name. It's funny how good teachers stick with us, but also some of the less than good teachers stick with us. I, I had a professor in university who I always think of when I think about teachers who left a little bit to be desired. Um, I'm not going to say his name because I really don't want Dr. Martin to come hunt me down. Um, he was a history professor I had, and he was literally a retired U.S. Marine Corps drill sergeant that after he got out of the military, decided he wanted to become a, a college professor. So on the very first day of class, he goes through all this, telling us what the expectations are, and he made sure that we all knew that he was above us, and that he was basically gonna be unavailable to us if we needed anything from him, and that his class was sink or swim, and he didn't care which he chose. And, and so his office hours were limited, so he wasn't really available, and he wouldn't talk to you after class, and he wouldn't talk to you if he saw you on campus. He even went so far to say, if you ever see me out with my wife or my family, it's best not to acknowledge me. He made it really clear he had no interest in us outside of class. And he told us that if we made his class the top priority, the only thing we focused on, and we worked hard at it, harder than any other class, we might get a B. And he said, if you approach my class the same way you approach every other class, you will fail. And so I'm sitting in this chair, and I lean over to the student next to me, and I say louder than I thought I did or intended to say, Wow, I've never met a teacher who was so proud of their inability to teach. Um, and I look up and Dr. Martin's head snapped. So I left the class and dropped it like anybody would do. Found another history teacher and, and didn't have to suffer through that. And so last week we talked about why Jesus is the only worthy king. Today I want to talk about why he's the only perfect teacher. As we look in these verses in John 1, 35 to 42, I'm hoping that you'll see that Jesus is the perfect teacher. That unlike my professor, he's always available. And he wants to be part of our lives as we learn from him. He shows up in every aspect of our lives as the perfect teacher. The one who's willing to walk with us in everything. He doesn't have any office hours. He's always available day or night. He's accessible as the air you breathe. He's invested in what we are becoming, not simply what he is teaching us. And finally, I want to help you see that his teaching style is one of engagement and mutual participation. His teaching style is present. It's not distant. It's active. It's not passive. He's about growth not test results. He's invitational in teaching his topic, and that topic is God the Father in his kingdom. And he wants to participate with us in learning of that kingdom and also living in it here and now.
And so in order to help you encounter this Jesus as the perfect teacher, we have to start with his teaching style. There's a fancy word for teaching style. It's the word pedagogy. It means how someone teaches. Dr. Martin's pedagogy did not fit my learning style. I'm not sure it fit anybody's learning style, but it definitely didn't fit mine. And so we have to look at Jesus' teaching style. See, here's my fear. My fear is that too often, many of us see Jesus as the kind of teacher that my professor was. He simply wants to present the material and make demands on us to learn it and to understand it and then fight with ourselves to do it. And, and that's not what Jesus is as a teacher. And then we think, well, if I, if I let him teach me this way and I learn and I understand it enough and then I just spend my life fighting with me trying to do what he said, then one day when I die, he's going to grade my life like it's a final exam and he'll tell me if I passed or failed. Anybody ever had that kind of picture of Jesus as a teacher? Have I done enough? And in actuality, what we see in these verses from John is Jesus is a teacher who teaches us with his life. He uses his own life to teach us. He invites us into living our lives with him. And he comes into every experience of life and walks with us. He's not simply saying, here's what you must know and learn and now go do it. His greatest teaching technique is his grace. And my final exam is graded by him with the editing pen of mercy. In short, he's the teacher that says, come into my life and learn from me as I sit next to you and fill in all that is missing on your test sheet. If you will just trust me to do it. That's the kind of teacher he is. And the reason he teaches this way is because his goal is my transformation, not simply learning most teachers just want us to learn something. They have very little concern about what that learning turns us into, not Jesus. His whole focus is, I'm teaching you so that you will become something, not so that you will know something. And so look at verse 35 as we dive into these verses. It says, again the next day. So the next day after what? We have to ask that question, right? Well, the next day after John the Baptist had seen Jesus and pro publicly proclaimed that he was the Lamb of God. After he professed that Jesus is the Son of God come to take away the sins of the world. The next day after he had testified to the fact that he'd seen the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus, land there, and stay there. So that's the context where these verses begin, where, where it says again the next day. Then he calls Jesus the Lamb of God again. Jesus is walking up. John's with his followers, and he says, behold the Lamb of God. Now here's the deal. In the context of first century Judaism, everyone who was listening would have known that, Jesus, uh, that John the Baptist was saying Jesus is the Messiah the redeemer of Israel and of humanity. So that's the context that these two followers of John hear this and turn and follow Jesus. So John the Baptist has said, here he is. It's the one we've been looking for. This 900-year gap where they've been waiting for a prophet of some kind where God was silent to Israel and then the Messiah shows up. 
And John says, behold the Lamb of God. And so two guys who are following John turn and begin to follow Jesus. And then in verse 38, it says this, that Jesus turns and sees them following him and asks them a question. What are you seeking? I love that. These two guys, they're the future apostles of Jesus, John and Andrew. They've heard that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the one who is greater than John the Baptist, who they had been following, and they turn and follow him. And Jesus looks at them and says, what are you guys seeking? Isn't that an interesting question? It's kind of rhetorical, I would guess, because if Jesus was standing there and heard John say all these things, wouldn't it make sense that somebody would turn and follow him? It would make sense as a first century Jew that the Messiah has shown up. Well, what would you expect me to do? You'd expect me to follow him. It would make sense for Jesus to know that these guys are following him because he's been pronounced, proclaimed as the Messiah. And so here's the deal. Jesus, as the perfect teacher, he already knows what John and Andrew were seeking. He already knows what we're seeking. But he asked that question because he wants to make sure we know it. He asked that question because he wants to make sure that we know what we're after and what we need. Jesus, as the perfect teacher, is inviting them to explore their own desires before they commit themselves to him as their perfect teacher. Because if they wanted anything of this world, popularity or wealth or comfort, power, any of those things, Jesus wouldn't have invited them to learn from him. Because that's not what he came to offer. The perfect teacher will only offer in his teaching what he has. And so as the perfect teacher, he was seeking at this moment with the question, what are you seeking to get the simple answer, you? That's all he wanted to hear. And so that's the question that we all have to ask ourselves. What am I seeking? Am I simply seeking Jesus or am I seeking Jesus and something? Because once I put the and after Jesus, I'm no longer seeking Jesus. I'm beginning to seek Jesus for what I believe he will bring to me, not for who he is. And so Jesus' expectation are in his question, what are you seeking? His expectation is that they are seeking the Father through him. His expectation for us is that we are seeking the Father through him. No and. Just simply Jesus. Now look at the second half of verse 38. This is where their expectations show up. So Jesus has invited them into his expectations, and now their expectations show up. In verse 38, it says this. They said to him, Rabbi, which uh, translated means teacher, where are you staying? Doesn't that seem like an odd response to the question, what are you seeking? Imagine you walk into Walmart and you're looking around and you don't know what you're looking for and uh, the, the clerk walks up to you and goes, hey, what are you seeking? And you go, well, let me ask you this, where are you staying? <laughs> Isn't that an odd response to that question? It, that might actually get you arrested for stalking at a Walmart. So 
Don't do that. But, but here's the thing. The context of the response of John and Andrew is in the title that they give Jesus, Rabbi. You see, because in the Hebrew context, learning happened by entrusting yourself to a rabbi. The student-teacher dynamic looked very different than our student-teacher dynamic. It was more of an apprenticeship than it was a classroom. The idea of a rabbi's teaching was that you would come and do life with me. The rabbinical method wasn't instruction and study. It was actually lifestyle. And so when they say to Jesus, where are you staying? In response to his question, what are you seeking? What they're saying is we want to be under you. We want to learn from you by doing life with you. We want to be your students of life. And we know this. The only way to fully learn from you is to do life with you. We want to walk with you and eat with you and interact with others with you. To see your life lived out, then we want to live as you live. You see the invitation in that? Now contrast that with what our typical learning model is in the Western world today. Give me knowledge, give me insight, give me doctrine, and then I will go live. But I will go live my life with your knowledge. I think that's infiltrated the church a little bit too far. See, the lifestyle that Jesus is inviting John and Andrew in here is an apprenticeship lifestyle. A rabbi and his students engaging in the everyday, the mundane, and the chaotic together. It's called spiritual companionship. That's what Jesus is inviting them into. John and Andrew were asking Jesus if they could be his constant companions to walk with him in every aspect of life. And here's the deal. The perfect teacher knows that lifestyle is caught. It's not taught. Jesus knew that. And he came to change lives, to change how we live and why we live as much as he came to change where we will ultimately live. But if we limit the impact of Jesus' teaching to where I'm going to live in eternity and ignore what he teaches us about how we live now, we're only letting him teach us a part of the lesson. There's some important aspects to his teaching that involve simply life here. And we have to grasp those. And so here's the deal. As an apprentice to someone, we actually commit to learn all that they desire to teach, not simply what we desire to learn. Too often, we go to Jesus and say, this is what I want to learn. And he says, but there's so much more I want to teach you. And we go, yes, but I need this aspect of my life to look different, so teach me this. And so we get to verse 39 and we look at Jesus' response. He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. So it's about four o'clock in the afternoon, first century Palestine, you're out in the wilderness. Last thing you want to do is be walking home after dark. 
There's bandits, there's animals, there's you know, all kinds of stuff. So, so they stayed because it was late in the day. And here's what Jesus is telling them through his response. When he said, come and you will see, what he's saying to their question, where are you staying? In essence, will you take us in as your students? He's saying, I'm going to take you in as my students, but not as my students of scripture, as my students of life in the kingdom. I could teach you scripture without living with you. You could show up every day and I could teach you the word of God. But I want you to know what the word of God lived out looks like. So stay. I'll train you up in the way to live in the kingdom of God now. I will invite you in close, deeply into my life with the expectation that you'll be changed by doing life with me and by my presence. So John and Andrew said yes to that invitation. See, their staying with Jesus was a commitment to participate in the life that Jesus was living. It's John and Andrew saying, you offered us in, we will stay, and we're going to learn from the life that you live. They went, and they saw, and they stayed. Now here's my question for you. Are you seeking to stay with him? Are you here today because you're seeking to stay with him as the person that he is, not merely as a doctrine or a belief system? See, it's the personhood of Jesus that saves us. Emmanuel, God with us. Us with Christ cannot be denied access to eternity with the Father. So we have to remember that as we begin to learn from him, yes, we need to understand doctrine and we need to have belief, but the reality of it is that what he brings is his person more than his doctrine. If it was simply about doctrine, he would have told John and Andrew, yes, I will teach you. Come back tomorrow morning. Make sure you bring a lunch. It's going to be a long day. Bring a notepad. You're going to have to take notes and I'll tell you everything I know. And then at the end of the day, you'll go home to your room, to your house, and you'll process all of it. And then come back the next day, we'll do the same thing. That's not the invitation. The invitation is to come and see and stay, to live and learn in his life. And so here's the thing. Have you gone to see where he lives? Have you gone to see how he lives? See, we don't have access to Jesus as physical person to do life with, but we do have access to Jesus in several ways, not the least of which is Scripture. But when I read Scripture, am I looking for answers or am I looking for a person? Am I looking for the person who's inviting me into doing life with him? Hopefully you've been reading the Gospel of John the last few weeks, and as you read it, you see the person of Jesus opened up on the pages to you saying to you over and over again, come and see. And then the question is, have you stayed with him? As he has said, come and see, have you stayed? What I mean by that is, have you committed to build your life around his life? To live with him in your present circumstance. See, here's the thing. If we're not seeking him this way, 
I think it's kind of foolish to expect him to teach us. It was foolish of me to expect my professor to teach me in an interactive and compassionate way because he made it abundantly clear that that's not how he teaches. And he's not going to teach me in any way other than the way he teaches. The way he teaches is integrated in my life and my life in his life. And it's not because he can't teach me, but because like me dropping that class on that first day, I've chosen not to learn from this teacher. And so before we close out these verses, I want to help you see Jesus' method of apprenticeship that's available in these verses and how we can follow this pattern in our own lives to learn from him. Here's the first thing. The apprenticeship style of Jesus in these verses is invitational. He is invitational in how he lives and who he is. By nature, he's inviting us in, into his life. And he's asking us to invite him into our lives. Not one time, although that's necessary, but in every moment, going forward. John the Baptist knew Jesus as who he was and pointed him out to others. If you notice in John's pointing out Jesus to others, there's very little in there about uh, deep orthodoxy of Judaism. But there's a foundation of it through everything he said. The deep orthodoxy of Judaism was that there was a Messiah who was coming. He would be the Son of God. He would be the Lamb of God. He would take away the sins of the world. He would be the Messiah. John didn't point any of that out, but he pointed out the person. There he is. His assumption was that people had gained the insight of their faith to recognize the person when he came onto the scene. We have to operate in that same assumption today. We have to gain the insight of our faith to recognize the person. John pointed him out and said, here he is, him. Here's the question for us in this. Does my life give my testimony because of not only what I know, but how I live, living in Christ's presence because I know who he is, does my life give my testimony about Jesus credibility in the eyes of others? John's life gave his testimony about Jesus credibility in the eyes of his followers. Does my life give my testimony credibility in the eyes of others? Because Jesus' teaching model is invitational. Here's the second thing about Jesus' teaching model, his apprenticeship style. It is life on life. He invited those desiring to follow him into his lifestyle, into how he lived day in and day out, how his love for the Father impacted his daily living. His invitation was come and see. Am I inviting people to come and see something that is worth seeing? When I invite people into my life and say, come and see, am I inviting them into seeing something that's worth seeing? Is the glory of God in my everyday life 
and how it benefits others visible to those that I say come and see to. It was in Jesus' life. It was in John's life. So the invitation is come into my life. And finally, the last thing about Jesus' apprenticeship style is that it's long term. He invited his disciples to commit to the long haul. From this moment, John and Andrew will be with him for the rest of his life. Essentially, when he said, yes, you can come in, he was saying, you're going to walk with me for the rest of my life. Now, they didn't know the rest of his life was going to be three years. But he invited them into the rest of his life. Jesus expected his disciples to be in every aspect of his life, the times that were smooth and the times that were difficult. Here's a question for us. Am I willing to walk with people in the messy and the dirty? Am I willing to let people walk with me in my messy and dirty? Not just disappear when things get ugly or uncomfortable. Not just hide out because I don't want you to know that there's struggles and trials in my life. Now here's the reality. I'm going to burst your bubble real quick. None of us think that anyone else in this room has a struggle-free life. We know everybody in this room has their own messy and dirty. So we can start from there, and we can say, yes, I'll be in it in the long term with you. Because I know when I step into your messy and dirty today, I'm probably going to need you to step into mine tomorrow. Jesus didn't abandon them in the messy and dirty. He didn't just disappear when things were uncomfortable. Now let's look at these final two verses. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Kepas, which is translated Peter. See, here's what happened. Andrew began to follow Jesus by asking Jesus to take him on as his apprentice, his student of life in the kingdom. He saw Jesus' lifestyle, then he went out and replicated the apprenticeship style of Jesus. He took the first step and invited his brother to come and see. And here's the thing. Come and see is a powerful beginning in the journey of apprenticeship. Come and see is invitational. Come and see is life on life. Come and see is long term. Andrew had found what he and his brother Peter were both looking for. And I know that there's many of us who have people in our lives who are seeking the things that Jesus offers or to have a person like Jesus to follow. They just haven't found the answer in Jesus. You have. I have, we should be inviting them to come and see. We should be invitational in this. The question is, are we going to them in the model of Jesus' apprenticeship, in the spirit of Andrew's enthusiasm, and saying, come and see? Because in the model of Jesus' apprenticeship, it's not simply, come and see the truth so that I can win this argument. Come and see 
reality from my perspective so that you won't be so nasty to me anymore. Come and see all the ways that you're wrong and I can show you I'm right. Come and see how my beliefs are better than your beliefs. That's not the come and see. The come and see is come into my life. Watch me live my life in the power and presence of Jesus and I believe you will find what you long for. That's what come and see is. That's Jesus' model of apprenticeship. It's invitational. Who are you inviting into your life? It's life on life. Are you opening the doors to the deepest places in your world? And it's long term. See, this model of apprenticeship that Jesus lays out here is the model that we want to follow here, and here's why. Because we look at Andrew, and as Andrew went through this model, the Jesus' apprenticeship to him that's invitational, and it's life on life, and it's long term, Andrew became an evangelist. Jesus' model of apprenticeship produces evangelists. He went first to those closest to him, his brother, and said, I have found the Messiah. And then he spent the next three years evangelizing everybody in his world all over Palestine, all over Israel. And then at the end of it all, Andrew was one of those ones that Jesus said, hey, now that you have done life with me, now that you have walked through my process that's invitational and it's life on life and it's long term, here's what I need you to do. You and all these other guys, go to the ends of the world. Jesus' model of apprenticeship produces evangelists. And here's what that looks like. Your lifestyle, your kingdom life lived out in the presence of others is evangelism. You don't do evangelism as a result of this. You are an evangelist. Your identity, your inner working changes from I want to be somebody who's going out, standing up, preaching the gospel to the lost. It changes into somebody who I couldn't stop if I had to. It just comes out. There's no way to stop it. That's what we see through the history of the church. These guys that are imprisoned, the ones that the author of Hebrews talks about, that the world was not worthy of. People tried to make them shut up. You might as well try to tell the ocean not to rise, or the sun not to rise, or the wind not to blow, because that's just what it does. If we follow this apprenticeship model of Jesus, that's just what we will do. That's our greatest evangelical tool. If we want to evangelize the lost and the wounded in our world, in this world, then it starts with this. Become a fully committed apprentice of the perfect teacher, Jesus. That's where it starts. It's invitational. It's life on life. It's long term. He will teach you to obey all that he commanded. He will make you into the kind of person who lives his lifestyle out of your love for him and others. And as you love God more passionately, the apprenticeship of Jesus will lead you into serving your neighbors more generously. And as you come and see where Jesus is staying in your daily life in this world, you'll grow in Christ more intentionally. See, here's the thing. The highest service I can offer my neighbor is to do what Andrew did for his brother Peter. 
to go to them with a heart of compassion and genuine love and say, we have found the Messiah and bring them to him. To meet him and experience him for themselves. To encounter the one who is the only worthy king and to be brought under the apprenticeship of the only perfect teacher. This is the most generous serving of my neighbor that I can do. It's the highest thing I can offer to them. But to do that, I have to be an apprentice of that perfect teacher myself. I have to apprentice myself to him. I have to say, yes, I'll come and see and I'll stay. I'll accept the invitation into your lifestyle. I'll let you in to my life on every level. And I'm going to stay in it for the long term. I'm going to commit to it. I know that in the long term, there will be ups and downs and highs and lows. But I'll never turn away. And as I do that, then I know that I will begin to invite others into this apprenticeship lifestyle. Because when I say come and see, there'll actually be something to come and see. If I invited any of you into my life apart from Christ, you would get bored with it very quickly and take off or disgusted by it very easily and take off. But once we have that life of Christ in us, there's actually something worth coming to see. The question is, how deeply am I going to let his invitation sink into my life? How intentionally am I going to live life on life with him? How committed am I going to be to the long haul? That's what we have to address. That's the part we need to go into. You see, his, his teaching style is way more than simply know the right things so that you can fill in the answers on the test. His teaching style is let me teach you to live so that you can live the way I live. Come into my life so that my life and your life become indistinguishable. They're intertwined. Hopefully you can see that this model of apprenticeship that Jesus gives us, this invitational style, this life-on-life -life practice and this long-term duration is a pattern that we're called to replicate and practice. I place my life in his hands as his apprentice. He transforms me into a citizen of his kingdom. That citizenship, citizenship changes how I do my life. I become his spiritual companion through that process and then invite others to become my spiritual companions. It's apprenticeship. Apprenticeship is this, becoming what another is by doing what the other does. Fairly simple. I become what the other is by doing what he does. I become what Jesus is by doing what he does. And when apprenticeship comes to Jesus, we have to acknowledge that as I become who he is, it's by the, his power and the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. But my commitment keeps me there. And so here's our goal. Our goal is to invite people into becoming apprentice, apprentices of Jesus. And I want to help you. I want to define what we call an apprentice of Jesus here at Temple. An apprentice of Jesus is someone who is constantly loving God more passionately, 
serving their neighbors more generously, growing in Christ more intentionally. That's called spiritual growth. And it happens in apprenticeship-type relationships. So the question for us is, who are you inviting to come and see? What are you inviting them to come and see? Are you inviting them to come and see right answers or, or sound arguments? Are you inviting them to come and see the glory and majesty of the only worthy king who is the perfect teacher present in your life, lived out in your lifestyle? See, Jesus' invitation to come and see in the true Jewish rabbinical sense is an invitation to first come and see then to become who the rabbi is. Are you becoming your rabbi in spirit and lifestyle? In thought and desire? I know this idea of apprenticeship can feel a little unsettling, especially if you haven't done this before. And I know there's intricacies and dynamics and nuances that have to be worked out. And so in the next couple months, we're actually going to be launching an apprentice type of training process for anybody who wants to take part in it. And our goal is to give you confidence in practicing this apprenticeship model of Jesus in your life with others. We want to give you a place to explore what it means to be apprenticed by Jesus and to walk with spiritual companions in this apprenticeship model that Jesus himself gives us right here. We want to give you a place to develop a heart that longs to love God more passionately than to allow that passionate love of God to feed the ultimate serving of our neighbors generously by bringing them to the king, the only perfect teacher. And all that as we grow in Christ intentionally, as spiritual companions together, as fellow sojourners in this kingdom lifestyle, now, I want to tell you, don't wait until we roll that out to take a step in this. You can take a step today. At the end of our service, we're going to have people down here who would love to pray with you for this. You can pray with them. You can pray on your own. But it starts with prayer, a prayer to God that says, I want to come and see. Show me more. A prayer that says, invest me deeper in staying with you. Transform me into the kind of person who will stay with you for the long haul. A prayer to ask God to bring those spiritual companions into your life. Those people who you can walk with and can walk with you. You can seek to be invitational in your lifestyle of faith. To live this great adventure out in a life-on-life -life way with others. And it is a great adventure. It's a fantastic adventure. Those of us who have walked into this look back at our lives and say, how did I get here? How did I get here? And there's joy in it. There's overcoming in it. And there's relationships in it. And there's family in it. And things that you can't get anywhere else are in this journey. You can seek to be invitational in that lifestyle. You can commit to being in your own transformation process and the transformation process of others for the long term. But that's how Jesus taught his disciples. He was invitational. He did life on life with them. And he was there for the long haul. Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful that 
We have the example of your son, the example of how he wants to deal with us, work with us and in us, the example of invitation from him to come and see God. This is an invitation that, that is every day, moment by moment. He never stops inviting us to come and see. God, we thank you that, that he's one that doesn't push off doing life on life with us. He invites himself into the places where we don't know what to do and invites us in the places in him where all the answers are. And so God, we thank you for that. We also pray, God, that you would give us hearts that desire the long term to stay in this journey committed with its ups and its downs, with its questions and its doubts, with its failings and successes, but to stay in it for the long haul, knowing that as we stick with your son, we are becoming who he is in our own lives. And we thank you for that. Amen.